Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. And Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved Zero never tasted so good. So we are approaching conference championship weekend. We have the Eagles and the Niners battling in Philadelphia. The Bengals visiting the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. So we'll get into both of those matchups. But real quickly off the top, at least news that pertains to the Giants Wink Martindale is going for a second interview with the Indianapolis Colts. Mike Kafka already had a second interview with the Houston Texans. So time will tell whether or not those two will actually have a legitimate shot to get a head coaching gig. We've already seen Frank Reich being hired as the new Panthers mm-hmm. head coach. Steve Wilkes took over on an interim basis, but ultimately the job goes to the former Colts head man. So all of these coaching openings are interchangeable, interconnected, I should say, in terms of the many different spider webs, as you like to say, across the NFL. Interesting thing, Lance, uh, in that the Giants coaching staff, at least to this point, has remained intact. Sure. They haven't lost any other assistants although the two coordinators, one on offense and one on defense, are getting interviews. Uh, So far, nobody else has been uh, touched on the staff. And I know for the sake of continuity, especially considering this was step number one in the foundation, I know this organization would very much love to have everybody back. But, you know, at the same time, you always want the best for your guys. And if somebody should find a great opportunity – you know, you can't blame them to go. Well, here's the good news. And once again, we have no definitive intel in terms of whether or not either one of them will ultimately get a head coaching gig. But I do think there are some attractive candidates in-house that Brian Dable could promote, Paul, in the Mm -hmm. event that either Kafka or Martindale did get a gig. For example, Shave Tierney has been with him going back to his Buffalo Bills days, the quarterback coach. And remember, part of building continuity within your organization is also grooming 
the coaches to take the no next doubt. step, right? No to doubt. become coordinators. Dable, if you go back to, he started on the defensive side of the ball and now all of a sudden became a head coach. So he paid his dues. It's no different than any of his assistants. And on the defensive side of the ball, two guys come to mind. Jerome Henderson is one who's been a mainstay mm-hmm. here within the Giants organization. Drew Wilkins is another linebacker's no coach. So I think that, you know, once again, you want to be able to build upon what you laid out in year one. There's no doubt about that. Similar to the Cowboys retaining Dan Quinn, right? He ultimately yes. is not leaving. So that's going to be year three with him running the defense. But I do think the Giants have some internal candidates that they can turn to, including the ones I named. You know, I think another interesting part to this entire equation is that uh, Davis Webb, apparently there was a report by, I guess, Pro Football Talk that said Davis Webb might consider going into coaching this year after getting his one NFL start last sure. season. Which is what he contemplated last year. Contemplated yep. it. And I know for a fact from talking to Davis that, you know what? He wants very badly to stay with the Giants organization. So there's always a possibility if something should open up somewhere along the line on the offensive staff, that might be an opportunity for him to slip in there. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I'll stay within the division. I brought up the Cowboys with Dan Quinn. If you remember, Kellen Moore became an assistant relatively quickly to the end of his playing career sure. with the Dallas Cowboys. So it's not unheard of, your point, with respect to somebody that maybe was part of the team, wants to go into coaching, and they immediately make him a member of the staff. For example, just hypothetically speaking, I mean, this may be a little awkward given the fact that Davis Webb was in the quarterback room, but if Tierney, let's say, got promoted, could they entertain Davis Webb as the QB coach? Do you Why think not? that would be a possibility? No, I'm just throwing that out there. I think actually that makes a whole lot of sense. So there you go. He kind of was a pseudo quarterback yeah. coach this year. Well, because anyway. he knew the offense, right? So he was helping no doubt. Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones get better equipped with respect to the scheme. So that would be a smooth transition right there. That's why I think the Giants are in good shape in the event that they do lose one of these coordinators. But you know what's also interesting, just speaking of the coaching carousel, Paul, normally around this time of the year, I feel most of the vacancies are filled. It's interesting Mm -hmm. that still a lot of these head coaching jobs are open. I don't know if part of it is maybe they're waiting for some of the candidates that are on the four teams that have made it to conference championship weekend, you know, an opportunity to speak to them. That's number one, or they'd rather do their due diligence and really take their time. Given the fact that, and I always say this, Paul, the one thing that I find interesting about the NFL landscape overall, some teams don't seem to learn from other teams, mistakes, (laughs) whether it be you rush into hiring an individual or you go after the sexy next best thing with respect to the play caller, as opposed to the proven commodity. I don't know, maybe teams are finally turning the corner and they're saying to themselves, hey, we don't need to be the first to hire a coach. We can actually go through the various stages and if we want to bring in a guy for a third time for an interview, so be it. Maybe this is a new leaf. You know what, Lance? I'm through trying to figure out what some of the big shots in this league are trying to think about. I will say this, you know, Um, when we see the coaching carousel start to spin once guys start getting dropped. Of course, Carolina was the first one to drop during the middle of the season. Correct. But but here's the other thing real quickly, and I'll let you continue. Carolina went after a proven coach. They did. Which to me was a bit refreshing as opposed to the movement we've seen in previous seasons. But go ahead. Well, yeah, because what we've seen in recent years is this trend towards younger coaches. Yep. And guys who were hotshot coordinators. Exactly. That's been that's been the, the trend. I mean, and we all know it's a copycat league. 
Okay, so everybody wants the latest young hotshot. Okay, and as we've seen, that hasn't always worked out so well. That's well. my point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of through trying to get into the minds of uh, of NFL owners and GMs as to what they're looking for. I just know this. The Giants coaching staff, as constructed, did a sensational job. We saw the Pro Football Writers of America named Brian Dable as NFL Coach of the Year yesterday. And I couldn't be happier for him because if you had a chance to talk to Dable on this program, if he was sitting right here, he would tell you that he owes everything to his staff. It's not just his job. His players and his staff. But, man, he put together such a collection of guys. There's no doubt about it. And I think that's a reflection of – the team ultimately getting to the point that it did this season and making the playoffs because everybody sacrificed a little and everybody bought in. And and that goes back to if any of the teams are also taking a page out of the Giants' playbook, it's the fact that you should go after a coach. And I understand Dable had that offensive coordinator background, but as we said, he has such an eclectic background as somebody that coached on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the man has been all over the place. But the point is, and the lesson learned is, Dable delegated responsibilities, right? He Mm -hmm. wasn't a play caller this year. And there's multiple ways to skin a cat. So I'm not saying that that's the ultimate game plan to follow, but guys bought in and were willing to run through a brick wall for their head coach. He was a leader, okay? He knew how to command a room and get guys to respond. That's what you should be looking for in a head coach. If you're a team right now trying to find somebody, don't get caught up in whether or not they led the NFL in offensive scoring or third down efficiency. Yes, that's important, but it's more important to get guys to react. Well, that's what you and I would be looking for if we were co-owners of a team. Well, but I think but the... there are some there are some guys around the league who sure, will just no, look no at the quote it. sexy name or the guy who had outstanding stats. That that's going to happen, Lance. You and I both know that. One hundred percent. You know, and then there's the other wild card in this whole thing, Sean Payton. Yeah, he's still out there, correct. Yeah. He is still out there, and he has gone on how many four interviews already? Multiple ones, yeah. I'm not exactly sure of the number, but I know Denver and Houston have at least chatted with him. Carolina, I believe, as well. But here's the thing with Sean. It comes back to, are you willing to give up draft capital for a head coach? And it's easy to say, right, Paul? You say, oh, Sean Payton. I mean, I would give up an arm, a leg, three toes, and an elbow. Would you? I'm just talking out loud. (laughs) Don't take my words so seriously on this program. Good, good. Yes, and don't get any ideas either. But the point is, then I think teams come to the realization, well, wait a minute. I'm going to use Denver as an example, Paul, and I've said this on the many programs that I've been on. They gave up five picks for Russell Wilson, okay? Mm -hmm. Do you really think you're then in a position to give up two more picks or more resources for a head coach so you're down seven resources to build your team up. And I think even if teams do have salary cap space or draft capital, they understand it's very valuable to have those picks. Do we want to give it up for a head coach? And I think Sean Payton is an excellent coach. I think he could do wonders for any team. But you still need good players. Mm -hmm. You still need so many other things in place for everything to come through. And you know what people forget? New Orleans went 7-9. and for three straight seasons with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And this is not, I'm not knocking Sean. Once again, I would go to bat for him as a head coach. So would I, but there is no magic pill. That's my point. If you could put Drew Brees and Sean Payton on the same team and go seven and nine, three straight years, then that means that no matter how good you think of the coach and the scheme, 
there are limitations to success. That's my point. I'm with you 100%. So I think, once again, it's just interesting in terms of the coaching landscape. I want to get into the two games before we go on to other topics and open up the phone line. So Philadelphia, San Francisco, somewhat of mirror images of one another in terms of the strengths. You've got two really good defenses. You've got two really good run games, two teams that know how to put points on the board, and two coaches that have done a really good job hitting all the right buttons I just I look at Philadelphia's firepower a little bit more than San Francisco in terms of the balance when you weigh the offense and the defense. But right. I thought the Niners going up against the Cowboys last week was a nice prelim. Correct. A, a nice lay out of the land, set up the stage, get everything organized for what you're going to see with Philadelphia. And you don't often get that, Paul, right? Case in point, the Giants, right? They go from the Vikings to the Eagles. That's a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah. I don't think the Niners are going to have a wake-up call because I think them being tested by the Cowboys, not to say that they're equivalent, but a really good litmus test for what lies ahead with Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't think that's much of a stretch. Uh, look, I happen to be one of those folks who think San Francisco can win this game. Absolutely. I, I understand you. why Philadelphia is favored by just a tad, and that's okay. But, uh, look, McCaffrey can score from anywhere on the field in any kind of play that you diagram for him. To me, I love the front that San Francisco possesses, and I think they can certainly match head-to-head uh, -head against Philadelphia. And... Look, bottom line is this. The team that turns the ball over the most is going to wind up coughing up this game because it's so even in so many different ways. I think that this game will be lost by a team maybe more than the team that wins it. You know, who makes the most mistakes? Because both teams are on a very high plane. As I've said for quite a long time, Lance, they are clearly the best two teams in the conference, and there's a moat separating the rest of the league. Or the NFC, I should say. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, I threw Always Dallas in there before the playoffs that, started. And Dallas, Dallas was right there with San Francisco. Da Dallas is close to that bridge. Yeah. But they're not on the other side of the moat. These two teams are the best teams in the conference. Well, when you look at balance, there's no doubt about it. Your point is well taken about turnovers. I talked about this before the Giants game. Two of the three losses for the Eagles. They right. had eight turnovers exactly. in two of those games. So, yeah, and San can Francisco the pressure get to Hurts? Because we know that front with San Francisco is really, really good. And on the other side, Purdy hasn't played so great the last couple of weeks. But, you know... Is he going to, quote, implode, or is he going to just continue to manage the wheel? I don't know. He's played well late in games. He hasn't had that complete game because I thought they ran the ball very effectively against the Cowboys mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter, and that's how they got the touchdown and the field goal. But you do feel as if, Paul, this may be a game where Purdy has to do something above the X's and O's, make some type He's of got play the in the to passing attack. Correct. I'm with you. Or they get some type of an explosive play yardage after the catch. I, I do feel it may take something like that for the Niners. It also may take a special teams play of some sort, right, to flip field sure positioning. Because the Niners are capable of hanging with the Eagles. But in order for them to win the game, I'm with you. I feel they need a takeaway or they need some game-changing type of play. Because I think the Eagles are in a better position where if you tell Philly, go nine plays, 80 yards to get a score, right. they're okay. Niners, you ask them to do that. They have the weaponry, but Purdy's more of the wild card yeah. to keep things afloat under those circumstances. I think that's fair. I mean, look, I don't think anyone would argue that both of these conference championships games involve the top shelf of the league. 
And I, I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the AFC game, too. Absolutely. Well, you got Cincinnati, Kansas City. You could argue two of the best teams in that respective conference. I don't know if there's a team playing better right now than the Cincinnati Bengals. My How goodness. did they do that, by the way? Let me, let me just throw this out to you. Folks, I know we want to get to the calls real quick. What in the world got into the Bengals' line? Yeah, well, they did a heck of a job against the Buffalo Bills. They just they handled them. They did. Well, especially How? since they were down three starters. How? I'll tell you why. No, I'll tell you exactly why. It's a fair question. Most of the players, if you notice, Paul, that filled in for the three guys that were out right. were on the team last year. So my argument is you weren't throwing in players that didn't know the scheme and throwing them into somewhat uncharted territory. Do you know how bad that line was last year? 100%. But you at least had the familiarity concept. And here's the other thing. The Bills are a shell of themselves since Von Miller got hurt. They're I don't not the think same. The They're Bills, not the same. if you compare I agree with you. the Buffalo front to the Kansas City front, then that's why this game is going to be more telling about mm-hmm. how good that offensive line is because you got Spags in his aggressive scheme. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones, one of the best defensive linemen in football. No doubt. But Cincinnati deserves a lot of credit. And how about Lou Anarumo? getting a little bit more of a pat on the back from a Staten national Island standpoint. Love Staten Island Blue. What he's Paisan brother. It's amazing what he has been able to do with it, that defense. It's hard for unit. me now because I got Spags on one side and I got Lou Anarumo on the other side. Got a lot of Giants connections, side. correct, yeah. I got two defensive coordinators who who I really like these guys. I, I'm well, the good news is of one of them is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So that's the good news. Well, and you know. I'm rooting for the AFC team. Whoever gets out of this game, I'm rooting for the Well, wait a minute. You're telling me if the, the Eagles make the Super Bowl, you're not going to be rooting for the AFC team? That's a stutter. Shocking. I, I didn't see that coming at I all. I could see that you're practically floored by that well, concept. Well, what about the Niners, though? You'd have an issue with the Niners? You know, Corey Rush used to be media relations yeah, director absolutely. here with the Giants, and he's in San Francisco. I actually just exchanged text messages with And him he is such a yeah. good dude. So for San Francisco to win, I would love to see Corey be happy, but... I'm going to pull for Spags or Lou Anarumo before I pull for Corey. Corey, I'm really sorry. If you're watching the show, I'm really, really sorry. That's a tough blow here. It's amazing. But I'd be happy for Corey if San Francisco won. Yeah, Bottom I, line is they got to beat the Philadelphia Eagles sure. this weekend. Yeah, well, uh, listen, they got to advance. Somebody's got to win in Cincinnati, That's Kansas it. City, too. Get the Eagles out of there now. No, but I agree with you. Both of these matchups should be competitive games. Would not be surprised if they come down to the wire. I just, to me, it's amazing that. It's hard to have a strong track record against the Chiefs, but remember, Paul, the Bengals beat them twice last year, right? Mm-hmm. They beat them in the regular mm-hmm. season late, then they beat them in the playoff game, and they beat them again this regular season. Cincinnati and San Francisco, winning streak-wise, if you just base it on that, are the two hottest teams in football. San Francisco has not missed a beat, despite the fact that they've had three different quarterbacks, which is an accomplishment in itself. And the Bengals, we talked about offensive line issues. Remember, they had a stretch where Jamar Chase was sidelined with a hip injury. I know, you got to give these teams due because, to me, a good sign of coaching and a team is you take away weaponry, you take away certain facets and strengths, yet it still stays even keel. And I think both of these teams are the poster child of those points. I'll give you one final thought on that Cincinnati game. When I saw Lou uh, Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, during the preseason, they played the Giants. And I said, Lou... You guys broke every rule in football 101, specifically the rule that says you have to be strong in the trenches and you have to have a terrific offensive line or at least one that can hold up to get to the Super Bowl. And he said, look, I only got two words for you. Joe Burrow. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that helps. Just a tad. Sure. Uh, he he feels that strongly about the magic of Joe Burrow, and it's easy to see how, after a bit of a rocky start, how he has gotten them basically on such a roll that here they are on the cusp of going back to the Super Bowl again. Uh, I I still think Jefferson from Minnesota, for me, would get my MVP vote for the league, but Joe Burrow would probably be my, my number two guy. See, I would go Jefferson Offensive Player of the Year. You know, there's those two awards. Yes. So I could see Jefferson winning Offensive Player of the Year, and then I could see either Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow winning MVP. That's how I see it okay. playing It's out. like Cooper Cup last year. Correct, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Normally, the receiver has a more legitimate shot to win the offensive player of the year, and then the quarterback gets the well, MVP. I'll go that's Mahomes over Hurts any day, but that's oh, beside J- the point. Jalen had 35 touchdowns, Paul. I understand. Okay. I mean, that tied Randall Cunningham's record. <laughs> Couldn't give him heavy consideration. I understand. To me, it's more fascinating with the coach of the year. And I know you mentioned Brian Dable won the Pro Football Writers, but yes. remember, the AP award is the one that's recognized as the official NFL award because he's got Kyle Shanahan who dealt with three different quarterbacks. a handful of guys. Well, I'm looking at the finalists though because they narrowed down. Yeah, I did see the finalists. And we we actually discussed the other day. And, you know, here's the thing. Again, how do you quantify that award? Is it the guy who, you know, navigated the most turmoil? Is it the guy who had the biggest improvement from last year's team? I mean, I think you how weigh you them na- all. How do you navigate? You it? weigh them all. It's such a hard award to vote for. I agree with you. But the way that I would look at it, to answer your question, is how you improve the team, meaning what you inherited and what you did with it. I'll give you that. Number two would be how did the season go? Meaning did you deal with adversity during the course of the year? Maybe you got off to a slow start, mm-hmm. right? Had to regroup. Or you got off to a hot start, hit a lull, and then regroup. Those factors would come into play. And then, you know, also how your players performed. Did you tap into somebody that, you know, maybe was waiting to all of a sudden get a lift? So I would say all three coaches make very good cases they in do. those departments. Jacksonville, like Doug Peterson, they were two and six. <laughs> and they won seven of nine and won the division. Dead in the water. And they came back. I mean, that's why, and I know it's a Giants program, and all of our audience is going to make a case for Brian Dable. So, I mean, good well, luck Dable trying to make a case for anybody else. every one of the boxes that you just asked for. But, but at the same time, Kyle Shanahan and Doug Peterson check those boxes, too. That's my point. Well, as I've said, there's yeah. probably five or six guys who could lay claim to that title. Well, and that's why I'm saying I'd make a strong case for all three, and I think they're all worthy of it. To me, there's no home run or landslide no, guy. No, not at all. I totally concur. That's my point. Because dealing with three quarterbacks... You see how many teams have done that and still win 12 in a row. Unbelievable. Okay? So I don't want to hear, well, the Niners, they have Debo Samuel. First of all, Christian McCaffrey was acquired at the trade deadline. He didn't have McCaffrey at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And Doug Peterson, as I mentioned, they were 2-6 and six and won the division. So Not just both the of those quarterbacks, coaches. Lance, also a guy who was a rookie draft pick, the last pick in the draft, to be thrown in like that and to still not miss a beat. Sure. I mean, he 100%. didn't lose a game. Here's the other thing. You know what I always hear? Anyway. I hear, no, real quickly, I want to make one more point before we move on because it relates to what you were talking about. I hear left and right, well, you can't give it to a coach that had a talented roster, the Niners in particular. Do you know, Paul, how many times have you seen a coach come into a very talented roster and it gets screwed up? They actually, they go the opposite direction. So talent alone, it's not just, oh, let's go out and play football and we're going to win games. It's easy for a coach to mess with a star-studded well, lineup. Well, you're talking about Mike McCarthy. 
Well, I mean, the Cowboys made the playoffs. Right? I know. I was, was going to say, gonna say the, <laughs> the Raiders. He comes, he comes well, up yeah, the short in Ra- the postseason all well, the time. Well, what I was going to bring anyway. up, what about the Dream Team with the Eagles? I'm going a little bit further back. Remember, oh, sure. Remember sure. Vince Young and all sure. those guys, right? How did that team do? So I don't want to hear just because you have a star-studded, talented you roster. you got to produce. Correct. So I still give a coach credit for that in terms of making the most of those opportunities. All right, a few reminders before we open up the lines. Make sure you go subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast. Podcast features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts, though it's going to take a while till we give you one of those since we're not going to have games for quite some time. An episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player as well as an exclusive sit-down with Bob Papa and head coach Brian Dable as well as an opponent preview of that week's opponent. You can search for the Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform. You can listen on the Giants app, giants.com slash podcasts. Giants fans, as we look ahead to the 2023 campaign, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships, they're now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. The Giants official connected TV streaming app is Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app, meaning you have multiple options to find that app. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring, and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up, like Mother's Day and the wind-down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect, flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all. Even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney. Make everybody count. With that being said, let's open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino with you here. It's Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jerome is in Charlotte joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Jerome? What do you got for us? Hi, guys. I love the show. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Could you you explain to me a little bit better how um, they can work out contracts to where they can put money more into the signing bonus than, than um, they, you know, the, 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 the money for the salary on the contract and how that works to um, benefit the team so they can, you know, juggle money around. Well, you're talking about the signing bonus. Basically, you could give a player a signing bonus, and the benefit to that is you then spread the signing bonus out over the course of the contract. You have the flexibility to do that. So, for example, you give a guy a $20 million signing bonus. I'm just using a hypothetical example. If you give him a four-year deal, Paul, you could do five, 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 and five, and therefore it doesn't get absorbed all into one year. That's right. at least the basic rationale behind the signing bonus. It's a, The cap number and the guy's salary for that given year is always going to be different under those circumstances because yep. if you pay him a $5 million base salary, but you gave him a $20 million uh, signing bonus, 
Well, now you break it up, 5555. Now his cap charge for this year is $10 million, but he only actually made $5 million in salary, yet, yet, he got that entire signing bonus to put in his pocket immediately. Up front, yes. Very appealing for him. So that's yes. kind of how it works. There are like three kind of calculations that you have to go through uh, when you determine like how that money actually changes hands and what the paper number is. And that's also how dead money comes into play. Yes. Because you may get rid of the player, but you gave him a signing bonus, and that gets a little more convoluted and so forth. It would but- take about two hours to discuss the salary cap. <laughs> exactly. It's very convoluted. Yes. Well, what else you got uh, for us, Jerome? Well, um, I just want to know, uh, besides the, the top three um, free agents, um, Love, Barkley, and um, Jones, Daniel Jones. What, what other um, candidates uh, y'all can see the Giants re-signing? And I, I think that off the air. Right. Appreciate you. You got to appreciate they the phone call. 21 Thanks, guys. Okay, between the 20 unrestricted plus the one voidable contract well, with Sterling Shepard. Well, let's go, Paul. I'm, I'm waiting to hear your rankings. I want you to rank all 20. No, yeah, I mean, we'll, on, we'll be here forever. We did this yesterday. <laughs> we, oh, we, man, somebody took my idea, Pearson. Casillas and Schmoke. Oh, yeah, you know, we, we already know who the top three guys are, and then after that, a lot of it's going to deter- be determined by how much money they have left over because they're going to have to import some guys too. So... Really, that's what it is. In fact, earlier in the week, go back to the archive. I think it was on, was it Monday I was on? And I actually went over the entire list yeah, we were talking about of that. every player who played at least 50% of the snaps this year. I gave you guys that list who was an unrestricted free agent. So you, if you want, you could start with that list if you like. Well, I will say this. I mean, it's a fair question. Who else would you prioritize outside of those three? So as we look through the unrestricted free agent, just in terms of guys and how they contribute, Jahad Ward, I think, would be a good candidate for them to consider bringing back. I'd like to have him back, but I, again, I think it comes down to the numbers. Oh, all of this comes down to numbers, Paul. I'm not saying that you know anybody's coming back to the because, Giants and saying, see, sure, I'll play for nothing. But see, yeah. when you say prioritize, prioritize means they're going to be big hits. And there's only three guys who are big hits. Anybody else that you talk about is not going to be a big well, hit. Well, I'm only wording it based on the caller's question. The caller's question was, outside of the big three, who would you say would be attractive to you that the Giants should entertain bringing Yeah, back? I think they should so, try to bring back Ward if they okay. could. So I think Ward falls under that umbrella from that standpoint. Could I see them maybe considering bringing back one of the wide receivers? I think a lot depends on how they like the draft class at that position. Because I think that's where they could do the biggest heavy lifting at wide receivers, the draft. A, I don't think the free agent class is overwhelming, number one. I'm talking about outside the Giants organization. So you don't spend money for the sake of spending money. That's why the draft, to me, is the place to go. But Richie James, Darius Slayton, if the money's right, would you consider bringing back one of them to be one of those complimentary wideouts? Absolutely. I would consider it. Yeah, because what what you what you're going to be talking about is a uh, low cost deal, sure. And you're going to say to a guy, even like Sterling Shepard, if they really love what he brings to the table, intangible wise. To me, if you bring back Sterling Shepard, you're talking about a low cost deal with some incentives and non guaranteed money, so that he's got to make the team out of training camp. You don't want to get burned if he comes here and then uh, health wise in August he's not capable. Well, and that's why I give James and Slayton a little bit more of an edge because you know there's not as big question marks health-wise. Right. Because, listen, as great as Shepard is from a leadership standpoint, when it comes to salaries and salary cap, you have to weigh, is the guy going to actually help us on the field? 
in some capacity. Mm -hmm. You always have to ask yourself that question. And that's what Joe Shane mentioned, right? When he spoke earlier this week, he said, we're definitely going to talk to Sterling. We're going to speak to the medical team. We're going to see where the rehab timeline Mm -hmm. adds up. And that will determine whether or not there is interest in bringing him back. And then one other guy that I want to throw out in this similar conversation is Nick Gates. Right. I mean, how can you not? His versatility on the offensive line, he could play multiple positions. We've seen him at center. We've seen him at guard. Guys like that, you actually have to heavily consider that because, once again, you're going to bring back an offensive lineman. You want to make sure he can play multiple positions. Without question, Nick Gates fills that out. I'm a big Nick Gates guy. In fact, I've had this conversation, I think, with every one of our guys on the broadcast team. How does he not win NFL Comeback Player of the Year? After everything that he went through, uh, there's no question in my mind. He's the runaway winner, and Brian Robinson from Washington would be number two after coming back from being shot in the stomach. I mean, seriously. Yeah, both of them weren't even finalists. For how does that happen? Yeah. That's ridiculous. I don't know. I actually have to look into it. It's interesting how they come to the three finalists in every department. I don't know whether or not they're adding up early voting and seeing where the trends are going because you could argue, why do you even need to make finalists, Paul? I don't know. Why do you have to announce who I the finalists are? Well, I think maybe publicity. For they, just wanna, they just want to. They just yeah, want to well, keep the Pierce publicity from an going. editing standpoint. Yeah. And that's what that's the way they are, man. It's about keeping the names just, in the news. I just don't understand why you need. I'd, to I'd love to finalists. see Nick back, but again, you have to figure what is the team's plans for the player before you even contemplate how much do you want him back? Because Feliciano was here for one year. He's up. Uh, do the Giants want to retain him? Certainly, if they don't retain Feliciano, you can understand that they would want Gates back even more. Because he could fill in at center. You know, yeah. Personally, I would love to see Nick Gates back because I think Nick, Nick Gates can play multiple positions. I think he is definitely a functional starter. And at, at worst, at worst, he's an incredibly versatile backup. At worst, why wouldn't you want him back? Well, that's, to me, the most appealing part of his value. Even initially going into OTAs, if you don't know exactly where you're going to play him, at least you know he's an option with starting experience and you can move him around. So from that standpoint, I think there's big pros in at least retaining the rights of Nick Gates. Let's head back to the phone lines. Rich is in Virginia joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Rich? Well, good afternoon, Lance and Podfather Gatino. Um, no, no, let, let, all, let's thanks. let's that Podfather thing is dead as of now. Okay, <laughs> well, Pearson okay, came up with we'll a stupid back. name that is done. That is dead, and okay, I'm not so going to answer go, to it again. You did a Godfather impression. I know, it was but too it's easy. it's not okay. it's not it's not going to work anymore from this point forward. Go ahead. All right, Paul, we're going to go back to Godfather. I'm okay with that. Godfather. I'm old enough. All right. <laughs> anyway, first comment is thanks so much. You guys have done. An absolute fantastic job during the season, and I love the off season. And you guys made it even more exciting than it was. So, Pinsky. So, the last you. time I yeah, called, you, you wanted it. some. You know, absolutely. You wanted some uh, information on our conference calls. I want <laughs> to give you a little background and history first to set this thing up. I think uh, you'll either find us very unique, but hopefully you'll you'll find us and appreciate the con- continued passion that we have for the Giants. When I, when I brief you on this, okay? Just give us the abridged version, Rich, okay? Before you go into your entire dissertation. Yeah, okay. Well, so first of all, our fellowship's called They Stink. And it, it started at uh, when I was stationed at Hickam Air Force Base in the late 90s by my friend Ted, who decided to emulate the old New Orleans Saints bags over the people's head. 
And so he affectionately called these bags, they stink. So uh, there's three of us in this fellowship. Ted, who is retired Air Force, he's 80, because you wanted me to ask, you know, you wanted our ages. Dr. Mike, late 70s, and myself, I'm 69. Now, between the three of us, we have 180 years of Giants experience and over 70 years of Air Force experience. So as Thank technology you for your start, Yeah, you're welcome. So uh, as technology evolved, so did our communications. We actually started on phone calls and then instant messenger, and that was in real time. So when I came back from Hawaii to the U.S. mainland, we all got direct TV, and so we um, sync up our direct TVs to make sure we're all in this, you know, the same, same time frame and mute the sound. And that's we comment during the games. When I left to go to Germany in 2016, and obviously got to see the Giants, DirecTV is not there. So I got a computer called a Slingbox, set it up in Dr. Mike's mm-hmm. uh, house, and that's how I saw the Giant games because it got right into his DirecTV. Additionally, we had these t- these reunions in, in um, the old Meadowlands and even MetLife. By the way, Dino, who worked for WFAN, was the guy to pull me out of the audience when they played Name That Giant, and we won those watches. Now that's and back so in that's the WDW days. That's right. Yeah. So By the way, never, Shannon never, Roberts is related to you? That's my that's my daughter. Yeah, well, your daughter sent me a picture of you guys posing with an Air that's Force right. astronaut. I got that that's on my right. Twitter. I was just showing that, that to Lance. Very good. That, that's right. And that is uh, when I was good transition there. Paul, that we had these giant reunions. We always used to go to the old Meadowlands and never saw a loss. Never saw a loss. In fact, some interesting things. Dr. Mike, when he was a little boy, always a little kid, uh, he used to sit in the bleachers in Yankee Stadium for 50 cents and have a picnic lunch. He was there when Chuck Bednarik knocked out Gifford in 1960. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of your, one of your uh, regular callers, Len from Columbia, Maryland, was there too, in the bleachers. I don't think they knew each other. Small world. So yes. anyway, that's that. So, well, no, we, we, we appreciate the background intel. At least now we have uh, some details to operate on this conference call that has lasted generations. And, and the best news that's of all, they don't know Charlie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a yeah, blessing for you, my yeah, man. That's, that's a good development. Uh, that's, I, believe me, I know. So two, two other things. Number one, uh, I hope I speak for the other listeners who are diehards like us, how about extending the show another half an hour? Well, I, I would say we're probably going to keep it at 60 minutes for the time being. I don't, I don't see how 30 is going to make it. We're on Monday through Friday, Rich, every single day for an hour. You get five hours per week. That's not enough to fill up and, the and, off-season priorities? And, and just from a logistical perspective, uh, because of the way the schedule works out during the season, to be frank with you, as it is, we squeeze this hour in, and there are many times when whoever's doing the show cannot watch practice or misses part of the media availabilities, which, to be frank, is not perfect. Every one of us who does this show would like to be able to watch every portion of practice that's available and to listen to every media availability that's available. So we're just doing the best that we can. And so, uh, you know, certainly in season, I would not see it expanding. Out of season, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that right now, but we appreciate the call and your loyalty for sure. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Appreciate the phone call. Let's uh, check in with Jamal in Dallas joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Jamal? 
What's going on, fellas? That was a great history um, lesson. I appreciated that from Rich. That was good. That was good. Um, my concern and my questions are um, the coaches, the coaches that we may be missing uh, or maybe losing out on um, for other opportunities and growth. They're not gone they're yet. Coming. They're not gone yet. Don't panic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not panicking, but I am worried. I am worried. I know Dabble and Mara and Tish, and I know they're looking at, you know, if these guys leave, who their replaces may be. Um, I know players are valuable uh, and important, but I think coaches are just as valuable and important for team development. And it's just frustrating to know that, you know, Dabble in his first year, who did a remarkable job, you know, um, a candidate for coach of the year, all that great stuff, and that our coaches, you know, our main coaches are about to be snagged up possibly, you know, for growth, which, you know, you don't want to hesitate, you know, um, limit anybody from growing. But my concern is, man, Daniel Jones may be going on what fourth or fifth OC, whether it's in in the um, somebody that's already on staff or not. Um, if Wink leaves, I mean, he's going to probably be taking some people. Uh, right now, I just saw something that Shea may be getting an interview with the Buccaneers as the OC. So, I mean, things are shaking up, and it's only um, you know one year of this. Um, I guess I want to make sure that we're not looking like the Commanders and their one year of playoff appearance. But I want our trajectory to look more like the Eagles, who was in our yeah. who was in sure. our domain. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why it's challenging to maintain that because there is constant change on the roster and on the coaching staff. I think every team goes through that. It's not just the Giants, Jamal. I mean, most teams right. can't make the playoffs every single year because if it was that case, then we wouldn't have as much turnover as we have, where there's an average of almost seven new teams make the playoffs every right. single well, year. Right, but I guess my thing, I feel like we're like the foster child of the NFC East because. Because we haven't been so good for a very long time, we haven't had a consistent coaching staff, and now that we may have something there, we're about to have something shake up, possibly, hopefully not, and then who knows where that may go. You know, the next person from inside or outside, are they as good as what we had? You know what I mean? Whether we have better talent or not. Um, so, so that's just my concern. And what are some names? Uh, I guess my main question, what are some names that are out there or that y'all foresee Well, we'll let you go on that note, Jamal, and appreciate the phone call. I mean, I'll go back to, Paul, what I said earlier. I think that internal candidates would be the first people that Dable would you probably turn to. You hope that they wouldn't leave if one of their other guys goes and then takes them with them. Well, of course, yes, that you is know, a for, possibility. For example, sure. Wink Martindale has made it very public to all of us that when he came to interview for the Giants' D.C. job with Brian Dable, that he told the Giants, if you don't hire me, hire Drew Wilkins. Sure. Yep. He made that very, very public. Yeah, he said that in one of his pressers. This thinks season. the world of Drew Wilkins. Yep. So you would hope that if Wink did get another job, that Drew would certainly be a candidate. Well, and it's funny you bring up Drew Wilkins because I was going to say if Wink gets a job, could Wink then go to Drew and say, hey, come over and be he my could. defensive coordinator he could. if Wink doesn't want to call plays? Or he could get perhaps the defensive coordinator job here. I mean, either place, he may have an opportunity to be the play All caller. these hypotheticals are like, they just give you a headache trying to think sure. about them. Yeah, but I mean, once again, to throw out names to me would be extremely premature because A, we're not at the point where somebody is imminent in terms of leaving, and B, I still stand by, I think for the sake of continuity, Dable would lean towards guys growing from within sure. than maybe bringing in somebody that wasn't with them this year. But, yes, are there a lot of veteran individuals out there who have previous coordinator experience? No doubt about it. I mean, once again, I'm just going to throw out Vic Fangio, for example. He's going for interviews, so that would be somebody mm -hmm. that certainly would fit 
the umbrella of, okay, there's a guy that's run a lot of defenses and had success. So, yeah, you could get a veteran guy, but I still think Dable would probably look to promote from with. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring, and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up, like Mother's Day and the wind-down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect, flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Let's head back to the phone lines I guess Andell in Philly joining us here. I'm not sure if I butchered that name. Andell, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey, how you doing? Hi. Right. Um, hey, you call it a Ricky Zendel. Um, my question is with Saquon. I, I'm I'm in the man, the minority when I say that. I know Saquon did really well this season. I know he's like a key part of the offense, but in the long term goal of building the team do you think it's wise to give him franchise tag or give him a long-term contract because i know he does a lot for the, the kids and he's a good person in the locker room but to give daniel a contract to give saquon a contract julian love a contract wouldn't that like yeah, it's going to eat up a lot of cap space. Well, I mean, to yeah. your point, yeah, and maybe you give Dexter Lawrence an extension. There's another guy. I mean, he only has one year left on his contract. We talked about this, that you could look online and you can see the Giants are going to have X amount of dollars. Well, then all of a sudden, when you sign three or four guys, not a lot of money left. Right. So, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I think with Saquon, though, Paul, there is a middle ground where maybe you give him a short-term deal. So maybe you don't have to use the franchise tag, but nobody's saying you give him a four- or a five-year deal. Maybe you give him a two-year deal with an option or something like that. Now, he has to be open to that, remember. Just because the team wants to do that doesn't mean Saquon's open to that. But to answer your question, Adele, I don't think it has to be either very long or franchise tag. There could be some middle ground here. Right. Right. Well, I, I agree with what he said. Uh, he should get the money he wants. I don't think many top running backs get two major contracts. I think if he could get something else somewhere else, he should go. And uh, Gary Brightwell, I, he uh, he has a burst to him, especially in the preseason. You saw him cutting through the tackles. Uh, do you think they're going to keep him around? And I'll take the answer over there. Thank you very much. Appreciate the phone call. Well, Brightwell's still on a rookie deal. Yes. So you really don't have to make a decision with respect to Brightwell. And he's not very costly. Yeah. So you bring him back, and you don't ask any questions, and you continue to develop him. And he did show some flashes. They could also bring back Matt Breida, too, if you wanted to keep the core of your depth chart and go after somebody, let's say, if Saquon's not in the picture. But with respect to running backs, yes, I think most running backs from a market standpoint would say, I want to cash in on this second contract because the chances of me getting a third one are very slim. So I'm sure Saquon's talking that over with his representatives. But if the Giants give him the franchise tag, he doesn't necessarily have a say in that. No, he does not. Because the Giants then say, hey, we control you, 
and you either sign and play or under the sit tag. out a year. Correct. And Le'Veon Bell did going that, to do that, and it didn't work out very well for no, him. No, that's usually yeah. a very bad recipe for the yep. player. And remember two things. Barkley said, A, he wanted to be reasonable, reasonable about it, and B, he did not feel he needed to set the market for the running backs, which means he's not looking to be the highest paid back. And usually when a guy reaches free agency and he's of a Pro Bowl stature, you will often – often get them or their agents trying to become the new highest paid player at that position. Barkley has already shot down that thought, you know, from the very get-go. He, he told that to the entire media just the other day. So, I mean, you could argue all you like about whether or not he hurt his own um, positioning, but he made it clear that he was not looking to be the highest paid running back in the league. Well, he's realistic because he said that he's had some injuries over the course of his career. Right. With that being said, though, I'm sure he still wants to get paid, though, Paul. I'm sure may he not, does. He may not have expectations of being the highest paid guy, but something tells me he still wants to be rewarded, knowing that the no chance doubt. of getting a third contract are slim. At least uh attractive third contract where you would be setting the market. So I think both parties, they understand the dynamics, and we'll see how things play out. But the good news for the Giants is they could use the tag on Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley if they feel there's no middle ground that they could come to him. And that's the beauty and advantage of the franchise tag. You don't let a guy walk. Or the transition. Correct. The transition tag, which I've thrown out, is attractive because you're telling the player – Go out and test the market. See if you can find something Mm -hmm. that blows you away and blows us away. But here's the good news. You then have an opportunity to match. Right. So, once again, the onus is more, Paul, on the player to do the heavy lifting where you don't put yourself in the position where you're setting the market. They're setting the market with the aid of the rest of the league. And then they bring the deal to you and you either get to a point where, I'll use Joe Shane's term, it's the walkaway number, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, We're done. Or, okay, Saquon, we understand this is what this team wants to give you. This is what we're willing to do for you. It was over 25 years ago. The Giants um, used the transition tag and met the offer by the 49ers for Rodney Hampton. You know, Rodney came back, had a new deal, turned out his knee didn't have a lot of durability left in it, and he never wound up lasting through that entire deal. He wound up retiring a lot earlier than anybody wanted him to. The other thing that's related to what you just brought up Joe Shane, I found this term interesting. He called his own players known commodities, and I know that was sort of misinterpreted, Paul. I don't know if you got any feedback on social media. People are like, well, what exactly does he mean? I thought it was an interesting term because what he was saying was, and this is where you weigh, do I bring back a player or do I go into the free agent well? He said, you have a better read on the guys that are in the building because you've seen them up close and personal. Now, it doesn't mean that it's going to work out, Paul. You don't have a crystal ball, right? You could say, we know Saquon, we know his work ethic, we know what he brings to the table, we want to bring him back. And not that I wish this upon anybody, Saquon may get hurt next season, okay? You never know with football. Does that mean you made a bad decision? No, it just means that you didn't have the crystal ball that told you to either avoid it or go in that direction. But the point is, it sounded like Joe Shane felt you can make at least sound decisions Mm -hmm. when you invest in your own because you're operating with more intel. And I thought that was a fair synopsis of what he laid out. I don't mean to dehumanize players in any way, but when you go outside and buy a free agent, there's always the greater risk that you'll buy a lemon. Yeah. Or you were told things that didn't turn out to be true, right? Because you weren't around the player 24-7. Yeah. So, I mean, look, the Giants prioritize football acumen. I mean, Dable 
Tells you right off the bat with his motto, smart, tough, dependable. Smart's the first adjective in that three-phrase mantra. Smart, tough, dependable. So I think, I think the Giants have a football IQ grade on every one of their free agent-to-be's. And that's going to be a significant factor when they decide who they're going to try to bring back. The other thing that you have to take into consideration is, of course, positional value and where they weigh one guy versus another. And that came up in the Saquon conversation. Yeah, and Jane didn't really buy that. No, he didn't buy that. But I also thought what was notable to me and this may be reading way too much into it, but hey, this is what we do this time of the year, so I'm guilty of that. <laughs> There's no games to talk Correct, about. Correct, <laughs> exactly. He was asked a question about running back value specifically. He didn't refer to Saquon in his answer as a running back. Paul. No. I don't know if you noticed that. He He's a weapon. He referred to him. Well, he didn't. Yes, I consider him a weapon. I think you consider him a weapon, but he referred to him as a football player. Yes. That was the term. Good was attached to that, but forget good. Let's throw the adjective out. Let's focus on football player. It goes back to... Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, I've said this thousands of times. If you utilize them in a variety of ways, then you're not looking at them when it comes to free agency as a conventional running back, meaning I bring him in on first and second down, I give him 10 carries a game. No, Saquon gets touches as a receiver. Right. Saquon is productive as a receiver. He's an elusive guy. He's a game changer. He's a playmaker. So you're evaluating him very differently than you're evaluating, no disrespect, but if Gary Brightwell was a free agent or Matt Breida, right? Because the way you utilize those guys and their skill set is not Saquon Barkley. So I think that's the other thing that you have to determine. Can we continue to tap into that skill set and how much value do we equate to that within the confines of our salary cap? I will go further and I will talk about Saquon Barkley as a headache player. He's not just an offensive weapon, which we have both acknowledged many times since he got into the league. I simply equate it to the fact that he's a headache player. And if you look at the Giants offense, who are their headache players? There's Barkley, and you could maybe argue that Daniel Jones is starting to become a headache player now because of his two-way threat. Well, that's it. There's nobody else on, on this Giants offense. I don't think you ever can call a left tackle, albeit that Andrew Thomas is getting a lot of accolades. I don't know if you can call him a headache player. Because yeah. a headache player, by my definition, is that guy that the other team's coordinator stays up all Monday night trying to figure out how are we going to deal with this guy. I don't know that you ever think of an offensive lineman as a headache player. I think a skill position player, a quarterback, and a pass rusher would fit that bill. If you were to ask even, even a corner or linebacker could. Yeah, to could. a certain degree. Maybe if, if they're, they're extremely so dominant, opportunistic and make you know, a lot of plays I on mean, the ball. I mean, Deion Sanders yeah. was a headache player. Yeah, but Deion was also a special teams guy, too. Yes, he was. So he sort of crossed both roads. You know, and I, I just look at it and I say, uh, the Giants still, even though they were a playoff team this year, and they got what they earned. Let's not pull any punches here. The Giants got to the final eight because they belonged there. They earned it. They worked for it, and they got it. But this is not a roster that has a ton of headache players on it, especially on offense. So if you want to talk about, quote, positional value, I'm going to talk to you about headache value. Headache value is very critical because if you're going to get to the next level of being a, not just a playoff team but a bona fide playoff team that can possibly contend for some jewelry, 
You need headache players. You know, subtracting a headache player from a team that does not have very many is not necessarily a good equation. Well, you better find then a few more through the draft or whatever it may be if you're going to move on from them. That's why this offseason is unique, Paul, from the standpoint of, and you look at recent years, I don't remember having conversations where there are multiple guys that the Giants really have to contemplate at key positions, right? right. You know, there's been some off-seasons where we talk about Dalvin Tomlinson, right, in recent mm-hmm. history, and Dalvin was an extremely valuable player, but you wouldn't consider him a headache player, but he did a lot of the down-and-dirty work in the trenches, and once again, the Giants struggled in their run defense the following year, which I don't think was any coincidence, but now you're talking about the quarterback, you're talking about the running back, you're talking about a safety that you drafted and developed, So those are key components that if you don't bring them back, then you have to say to yourself, okay, do we have realistic options that we could target? And I'm not talking about free agency. To me, the realistic targets are more Joe Shane and his personnel department within the draft. That's what I really think they need to ask themselves. And the reason I say that, I don't think Joe is of the mindset, even if they do move on from some of these players we're talking about, let's go down that hypothetical road, I don't think his response is, oh, well, I'm going to take that money and just spend it elsewhere in one offseason. No, I can see him more of making sound decisions, knowing cap space carries over. We need to give extensions to some players, such as Dexter Lawrence, and the more and more you let him play on the current deal, the more and more the number continues to go Mm -hmm. up. I think he's operating like that. Oh, he's become a headache player. Yeah. So my point is, to me, the big target is on the draft. He went over the volume of picks, right, when he met with the media. Possibly as many as 11. Exactly, because of maybe 11. But I don't think... He's throwing that out there just because somebody told him that in passing. I think he's honing in on, okay, we got a high volume of picks again. And Mm -hmm. look at the amount of players they brought in. They're also excited about some of those guys returning from injury. He's of the mindset that if they're going to turn this around and make it consistent, it's got to be with multiple draft classes and not just a big splash in free agency. And if you go to Buffalo... And I know Joe Shane also, he tries to distance himself from that, right? Because a lot of people are making the Josh Allen, Daniel Jones comparison. He says, hey, Buffalo different than the Giants. But to me, the takeaway is free agency was a complimentary piece. Yes. It wasn't the main piece. Yes, you went out, you traded for Stephon Diggs. But they didn't go out and trade for everybody or sign everybody. A lot of those guys you look on the defensive front, they drafted. Specifically also on the offensive side of the running backs, for example. They didn't make big splashes Mm -hmm. on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and James Cook. Those are guys that were drafted. So I could see him taking a very similar approach from that standpoint. I would say this. I also believe, and Joe Shane did a really good job of describing the fact that they believe they've got a lot of internal young players who are going to continue to get better. We, We already know Guys like Radarius Williams and Flott and Beavers and uh, and Izudu, they've got a number and of and young, and yeah, they've got yeah. a number of young players on their roster who did not get opportunities to really show their wares at the pro level over this past twelve months, and they really, really have high hopes for those guys to step up and be competitive as either starters or key rotational players. They believe they've got a host of those guys, and I think they're right. Which means maybe they are a little bit closer to being an upper echelon team than some people think because they do have so many internal candidates who they think can be much more than what they've already showed in very small sections of duty. Now, if you do believe that, 
you maybe do make a deal and package some picks like the Bills did to go get Stephon Diggs. Because I don't think there's anybody like that in the wide receiver room outside of Hodgins, who to me shows significant promise that they can be a regular player as a wide receiver. So maybe you do look on the trade market for a stud receiver and package some of those picks together. I think, though, that depends on how good he feels about the depth at other positions on the roster. Paul, meaning if he says to himself, we've got 9 to 11 picks potentially, and I feel I can address multiple areas on my roster, I think, given this is only year two, I think it's more valuable you take advantage of those picks, and then maybe year three, now that you have last year's class, this year's class, some of the carryover guys, now you get in the position where you have some flexibility to do some wheeling and dealing to bring in that other proven chip. I I think originally that would have been the plan, but because they were accelerated and made the playoffs this year, you now have to say, what do we think about all those in-house guys who we're counting on to improve? If you really think really highly of Williams and Flott and Beavers and Davidson and you think that there's a future for Pinnock, I mean, if you believe that those guys are legit players who can step up and give you a lot more than they did, well, then you don't have to necessarily draft. I mean, Ojolari's another guy. Can you believe that he'll stay on the field and continue to produce at the efficiency level that he's already shown us? Now, if you believe those kinds of things, if you believe that Zimenez should be brought back because he showed something this year finally after having a very quiet start to his career, well, then maybe you don't really have to use a lot of picks to address the defensive depth. Maybe you think you've got it already. 100%. I just feel some of the guys you named, Barely even got on the field this year. Like Beavers, right? You got to see him on the field. He didn't play. Davidson, too. And even Azudu. I know who played the bulk, but still there was time, and he was in and out of the lineup. Well, I just feel like you want to see a little bit more before you know, say that with conviction. We don't know how many chips they want to put in those baskets. Yeah. That's the thing that we don't know. If they do like them and do put a lot of chips in those baskets, it would open things up on the trade market sooner than later, and maybe in year two they could make a deal. I think we'll find out what they think about all those guys by the time it gets to the draft. If they keep all 11 picks, what they're telling you, Lance, is that we like all these young guys, but maybe there aren't enough of significant starting developmental pieces that we need to add all 11 of those picks. Sure, that could very well influence their mindset, or they bring all 11 into the draft, and then something comes to fruition in the draft. Maybe mm-hmm. a player becomes available, or they could get do that too. their first four picks, they get the depth they wanted, and they're like, okay, now we can do a little bit more wheeling and dealing. All of those things are going to be influential factors. All right, that is going to wrap up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com and the mobile app. It is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar, new and improved Zero Never tasted so good. And a reminder that we're going to be back up and running again on Monday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll recap the conference championship games. Also look ahead to what should be a busy Giants offseason as Big Blue Kickoff Live. Today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And we'll speak to you on Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.